Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Matt Kelly, it is day three, the third full day of Comic-Con. We're not really acknowledging preview night, even though preview night was a lot of fun. If you hear that, folks, it is the beautiful sounds of the ocarina being played by our neighbors at Songbird Ocarina here on day three. And people are like, man, you're going to get sick of ocarina music. And I'm like, why would I get sick of ocarina music if I've been playing Zelda my entire life? I actually love ocarina music. I love having them as neighbors, and I love hearing the ocarina songs as we're sitting here at the Geekscape booth. Uh, we also got some amazing friends over here at Atomic Toy Box next door. Uh, they're super, super supportive. If you listen to episode two, you know there's a little bit of drama in the aisle, but I'm responsible for that. And today, we're on the floor. We're waking up at the dawn of a new SDCC day, and today's theme is abundant positivity. Positive energy, baby. Positive energy. Yeah, I got to tell you, when, uh, when we were told to turn the music and the volume down or off, it bummed me out, and I didn't respond well. And today, Matt, you're in charge of keeping me from uh, losing our booth. How's that for responsibility? Eh, I've had harder responsibilities than that. I can at least hit mute on the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> that strategy is fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Geekscapers, I hope you've been enjoying these kind of grab bag episodes of the Comic-Con experience, and I hope it feels like you've been along for the ride with us. Uh, We had some amazing people signing today. Today, we only have one or two people signing. Uh, We have one signing, two people, and a panel. So we're going to try and pull some people into the booth who experienced the con. Maybe they're cosplayers. Maybe they're walking the floor. Maybe they're friends that came to visit us here at Booth 3919. We'll get some of their experiences. This will definitely be a grab bag episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, get you, we'll, we'll get you on the floor through their sound, sights and sounds and their experiences. And Matt, uh, how was your night last night? Uh, you know, we were talking about Songbird Ocarina, and I slept like a songbird. Uh, I, <laughs> I had such a chill day. I went back to the convention center, or I went back to our hotel from the convention center. All of y'all left. I put on Too Hot to Handle on Netflix and door dashed a Jack in the Box burger to myself and then went down into the lobby to get some Froyo and then I just went to bed. <laughs> it was perfect. That, that sounds wonderful. The only thing we did was we walked to dinner. Uh, we met our friend Burke Sharpless, who's uh, the co-writer of Morbius, uh, one of the uh, creators of the Netflix Lost in Space. Like, obviously not the Netflix, uh, not the Lost in Space creator, but uh, he and Matt Sazama had a hand in the most recent iteration, uh, we they have another project coming down the line that the strike stops us from talking about, but it is comic book related. And uh, we met uh, Noam Dromi, 
uh, my producing partner who's been on Geekscape before, and um, our, our friend, uh, where are we at on the schedule? I'm like blanking right now, but uh, our friend uh, Scott Berman joined us, and then Eric Nguyen joined us. They're signing later today. They're comic white savior. You're going to hear an interview with them later. And the funny thing is we're sitting at dinner with Scott at the table, and Eric has just gotten in from the airport. And Eric, Eric comes over, and Eric comes over and uh, has his bags, and it's the first time that Scott and Eric actually met in person. They made this entire comic remotely, and last night I was witness to them meeting for the first time, and now they're going to be signing in person here at the booth. So that was kind of funny. Uh, Scott got up from the table and was like, i got to go meet Eric. And I was like, oh, cool. He's like, no, no, for the first time in person. <laughs> and I've been working with him for years making this comic book. Uh, so that was kind of a funny story. And then uh, maybe it'll come up in a later Geekscape. But as we're waiting to get Burke a uh, uh, Uber or a Lyft by the uh, hotel, we were just watching the drunk people coming out of their Ubers and Lyfts. And one of them said some stuff that uh, I will not say here on a microphone with a speaker. But it, it will go down as a... Very funny Geekscape story. So hit that subscribe button. Maybe you'll hear it in a future episode. <laughs> it was... My eyes popped out of my head. <laughs> All right, Geekscapers. We got a good day here at Comic-Con. Uh, abundant positivity on full day three. Isn't that right, Matt? Of course. We're always positive here. Don't hate, create. That's the motto. Unless Comic-Con ticks you off. and Never mind. All right. I'm getting past it. I'm over it. Not really. But I'm over it. Folks, walking to Comic-Con, you never know who you're going to run into when you're walking the floor. And our neighbors at Atomic Toy Box were hosts of some of my uh, favorite, favorite creators. That's why I like being next to them. And one of them, very important to me in my childhood, is right here next to me, Mr. Constantine Dillon, who wrote the original Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Sir, you've got to have a story about how that movie came together or even how the script came together. <clears throat> I've been asked many times, how did I think of uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? I usually tell people drugs, but that's not the real answer. <laughs> because, because then when I say that, everybody wants to know which ones um, and how can I get some. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, the way it came together is uh, I watched, uh, uh, some people out in this audience may know, uh, an old Japanese horror film called uh, Attack of the Mushroom People. And I remember thinking, it can't get any dumber than that. And uh, so I thought of something dumber than that, um, being attacked by tomatoes. <laughs> and was it immediately popular when the movie came? Oh, well, what was the reaction for us? You wrote it. Did you read it? Uh, did you write it in collaboration with anybody who had an interest in it? Or did you write it on a lark and were like, hey, maybe this will actually be so ridiculous it gets the attention of someone who wants to produce it? Oh, no. I, I already had a film company with a couple of friends. The three of us uh, collaborated on the script, and then we put the production together and made the film. So it's all one in-house deal here in San Diego. 
And as you're looking for financing to put it together, or even looking for actors to put in the, what kind of reaction are you getting for the script for the idea of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Well, when you're film, when you're when you're new and you're financing a film, and you look for the usual sources of film financing, we went where the same place, you know, the major studios go. We went to our relatives, <laughs> <laughs> doctors and dentists and lawyers. Right. We went to mom and dad and aunts and uncles and said, "Hey, you want to put some money into our movie?" And they were like, uh, "Okay, what can it hurt? Uh, it's my kid." So uh, we raised the money locally, but then, no, they're real actors. They're Screen Actors Guild actors. Uh, they're professionals. Uh, I know a lot of people have watched the film and said, those are professionals. <laughs> and yes, they are. <laughs> and the song. The song that came out of the movie and had the giant crescendo, the almost operatic attack of the Killer Tomatoes, uh, that had to have become a hit. Like When you're hearing that thing for the first time and you're realizing that the movie got made, it's got a song that gets getting, it's an earworm, it's getting stuck in people's heads, people are walking around singing it. Were you like... Oh my God! I'm proud, or were you like I've gone too far? Like, what was your reaction? Like, I cannot believe this got to this point. Well, I, uh, John DeBello came up with the uh, the um, music the, and the song uh, while we were still writing the script. He, he said, "I got an idea for the theme song," and uh, we just went with it. I don't think we ever looked back. And of course, there are four or five other songs in the movie: uh, "Puberty Love" and "Tomato Stomp" and a few others uh, that. Uh, I also help write, but but John wrote that one. He did a great job. It's almost like a Flight of the Valkyries <laughs> kind of song. Yeah. It's got, it, it's operatic. I, I said again. I'll say it again. Um, it starts to get sequels. It gets right. a cartoon. Right. At that point, are you like, what is happening? This funny idea that I had in the hopes of making a film, it just keeps going, and now it has a life of itself, like the tomatoes in the movie. What are you thinking at that point? And like, were you, how involved were you in things like the sequel, famously starring George Clooney, the cartoon? What What were you thinking when you start seeing these things going forward? Well, you're right. We 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 you know we had our own film company, so we decided to make another feature film. It was uh, eventually called uh, Happy Hour with Rich Little, Jamie Farr, Tony Katane, and um, we had no intention of ever doing a Killer Tomato movie again. And then we had a, a approached by a, a studio the movie store, and said, you know, we'd like you to do another Killer Tomato movie because Killer Tomatoes had become well-known by that time. And we said, we're not really interested. And they said the magic words, which is, we'll pay you. And we said, okay. <laughs> so that's when we wrote the sequel, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. And yes, that's the one George Clooney is in. Made George Clooney famous. Uh, and uh, he's never returned my phone call since. <laughs> In the cartoon, was the cartoon something that we were like, at this point, they can't be serious. But, you know, it, it, since you have a sequel, I'm guessing that this movie, like, when you think about the 80s, you think about the rise of the mall culture, and that means the multiplex as well. And for smaller movies, like we've talked, we had Lloyd Kaufman on the show a lot of, over from Troma, sometimes you have to four-wall these films, or you have to go around to them and, or go to some of these art houses or single-screen theaters. Did any of this approach the multiplex, and what are you thinking as it then segues even further into a cartoon? Well, yeah, the first, the first uh, two films were distributed to movie theaters, absolutely. The third and fourth films, which are um, Fox uh, pictures, uh, I think the, the third film did briefly go to theaters. The fourth film was straight to video. And that's, that's uh, Fox's decision. You know, the movie market was changing about that time. Uh, and and uh, it's expensive 
when we when you still made film <laughs> instead of you know we do now everything's digital film is expensive because you have to duplicate it which is expensive and ship it which is expensive and after a while sending low budget films out to theaters just wasn't financially viable anymore the and in the age of the rise of the blockbuster as you start going into the 90s and you start to have the big blockbuster then in the 90s how are you going to get the screens it totally makes sense because at the same time you're starting to get move from the mom and pop stores to a blockbuster culture those things like VHS and then DVD become very valuable you know in selling a movie well, VHS is what made us famous because uh, it's hard to believe especially people here of this age uh, when videotapes first came out, the studios would not allow their films to be put on videotape. They did not want to undercut the amount they would get from selling their films to television. So independent films like us, we said, okay, we'll go to videotape. And we are one of the first one or two hundred films to go to videotape. And videotapes then were expensive. Uh, I think our first VHS, which is selling right, right in the next booth, was $120. Uh, because they didn't think anybody would buy a movie and take it home. Um, they, they expected video rental places to buy it and rent it. And those early video rental stores, if you went in them and they only had maybe 100 titles, and we were one of them, <laughs> all of a sudden people started to notice us. That's pretty incredible, and it reminds me of a lot of the different transitions you have. And now we have transitions to streaming and digital. I got to think that Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, all four movies, maybe some of them are owned by Disney right now, are, <laughs> that's kind of, I mean, Disney also owns Rocky Horror at this point because of the Fox acquisitions. Um, does it have a life on streaming? Is this stuff that maybe on streaming new generations can discover these movies? And maybe is there a future Killer Tomatoes movie out there or property? Maybe there's a video game based on Killer Tomatoes. Are the Killer Tomatoes dead? Uh, Killer Tomatoes are not dead. Disney did own the rights for a while. The, um, we just relaunched our videos, I mean our uh, website, KillerTomatoes.com. We have a brand new podcast that's starting. And yeah, there have been video games. There were Game Boys and stuff uh, out there, as well as toys from the cartoon series. So uh, no video, no uh, Killer Tomatoes are not dead. And I would expect you will see news of the Killer Tomatoes in the next few months. I love that, Constantine, and KillerTomatoes.com is the place to find all that news. I love that you're keeping it alive, and I just, artist to artist, i got to ask you, you go out, Killer Tomatoes starts to take over, but you're still a writer, you're still a filmmaker, did it lead to opportunities outside of Killer Tomatoes to make others, to tell other stories? Well, I have, yes, and, uh, but it, it, it's uh, still, writing comedy is what I prefer to do. I've written other things, but I still like, the, the Killer Tomatoes are my creation, and so... I like to stay with him. <laughs> I love that I'm standing next to a mad scientist, and I love it. Constantine, thanks for being on Geekscape. Thanks for coming to the booth. San Diego Comic-Con, I'm sitting here with the creators of White Savior, the Dark Horse comic book. That's right, Scott Berman, the writer, Eric Wynn, the artist. And co-writer. And co-writer. It wasn't just a white guy doing white It wasn't just a white guy doing a book about Asians. Let's get us canceled over here. Come on. Come on. It was co-written. Co-written. What? We almost got canceled as well yesterday, so I'm with you, bro. All right. And I mean bro is like not – okay, whatever. We're all getting canceled. Uh, Geekscapists, if you've been listening to the feed, you've heard them talk about their comic a few months ago when issue one came out. Now everything's culminated. You guys have a trade on the way, I'm guessing? Trade paperback is coming out. 
September 12th, trade paperback, White Savior, Dark Horse Comics, dismantling the White Savior narrative. Much better coming from the Asian-American partner of mine, but unfortunately I am a loudmouth. Eric, you got to sell this bad boy. Eric, what? I don't know how to sell this thing. Just just <laughs> buy the book from, a, from an Asian immigrant. <laughs> Eric, uh, you're busy this week, right? Like, uh, we actually put the signing on a Saturday because uh, you didn't get into town until last night. And the funny thing is we were at dinner with Scott, and Scott's like, I'm meeting Eric. And we're like, oh, cool. Is he, he's coming here. And, and uh, it turned out, it was like, oh, yeah, for the first time in person. It's like you guys met on a dating site. We're dating online for like three years, making a comic, and then you met in person for the first time last night while we witnessed it. It was kind of like Sleepless in Seattle when Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan meet at the top of the Empire State Building. Me and Eric, seven years, seven years we've been uh, going forth with this book, never met in person. I bother him more than probably anybody in the history of people who've bothered other people. And so it's just been, it's been great to just meet up for the first time. Do you agree with that sentiment that it's been great? I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you thought he'd be taller? <laughs> He's like, I thought he'd be taller. I thought he'd be good looking or something, but no. But uh, no, it's great. I haven't, uh, this thing has got so, so close. <laughs> the, mic is, the mic is very close. It's not the hottest mic ever. But also, there's a lot of sound around us, so the mic has to be close, or else I'm hearing ocarina music in the microphone. All right, well, I gotta get used to this. <laughs> gotta get used to this shit. <laughs> You're right. Eric's nervous because there's a there's a mic sticking in his face. But anyway, yeah, it was nice meeting um, Scott here after. You forgot his name? Did you just forget your seven coke? Years, seven years, you just forgot his name. We're talking thousands of emails. <laughs> thousands of emails written by <laughs> written by Scott. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's what else? I don't know what else to say. Scott's here. He'll sell it. <laughs> He'll, I, I have no idea. The hardest part of this book, hands down, is that I worked in sales for so long. And Eric is an artist who likes sitting in the room, drawing, writing by himself, having a great time. Doesn't like, doesn't like the, the melee, the chaos, all of that nonsense. I embrace it. But because of that, I, I somehow have to yell louder to be the voice of White Savior just so... They can listen to Eric talk, you know. I love that you're the voice of White Savior, and there's no way you can be the face of White Savior. <laughs> you should be the face of White Savior. Put him, put on a mask. Put on a mask. Where's the mask? Where's the mask? I'm sorry, man. Like that, is, that would be a major. That would get you canceled. That would get you canceled. Uh, Eric, you're you have a busy weekend. You're just here for Saturday, Sunday. You're on a panel later today. You looking forward to that panel? Yeah, yeah, great, great panel about Asian Americans. <laughs> You looking forward to that very serious panel about cultural implications of your work as an Asian artist? Yes, all my difficulties. Bye, white savior. <laughs> I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus. Maybe I do. But uh, Eric was like, I'm on a really serious panel about Asians, representation, yep. comics and pop culture. Man, I just want to make jokes. <laughs> the, the comic is a very funny comic. And... Uh, Good luck being serious on that panel and saying some really profound stuff about your place in this uh, culture. Yeah, you got that right. I, I just want to make jokes, but yet uh, I'm on a serious panel <laughs> about American, Asian American in entertainment. White savior, people. White savior. What if you guys do, like, uh, what was the, the Cyrano de Bergerac, where maybe, like, 
you have an earpiece, and we get Scott to do all the words, and he'll just talk into an earpiece. I'm cutting this interview off right now. I'm cutting it off right at that particular moment. Um, <laughs> you don't want to be in an earpiece and just feed him the lines as the, as the voice of White Savior, but not no, the no, face no. of it? It's not the lines that's the problem. It's, it's Eric uh, uh, does not prefer audiences. So he, 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 uh, he doesn't like being boisterous and loud, which you almost have to be these days to keep up with all the chaos and, and melee going around uh, Comic-Con. So uh, I'm definitely loud, if, if anything. So this is what we do. We, we hook up a little speaker system to his chest, put him in, like, Iron Man cosplay, and then Man. and then the arc. Li- okay. I'm getting you guys a costume where you can have a speaker on your chest. Iron Man came to mind. And he'll just, all you have to do is lip sync his words. Jimmy Woo. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so much trouble. I actually love that you guys are joking around the, the Geekscape booth. <laughs> Considering y'all hadn't known each other in person for seven years, y'all are getting along like you haven't missed a beat. We, we haven't met in person, but we have talked a shit ton. And so, uh, yeah. Who does most of the talking? Well, <laughs> when we're together, it's, it's kind of different. Let me, uh, let me see what's up with. All right, they got a customer geeks gave us. Thank you guys for being here at the booth. Sign some comics. Sell some comics. Thanks for being here. We're going to get canceled together. San Diego Comic-Con 2023. You may not be familiar with my friend here, but I started Geekscape way back in 2006 with this man sitting next to me on the couch. His name is Ian Kerner. He has an opinion on everything pop culture, which is why he's such a resource for the Geekscape network. Even though we started with one show and grew into over 40 shows, the legend of Ian permeates the entire network. They know that this man is an encyclopedia of all things pop culture, and he definitely has an opinion worth sharing now we're going to get your opinion on what you've been experiencing at San Diego Comic-Con. Of course, everybody was anticipating a weird year. I've been here at the booth with Matt. How weird is it actually out there? It's definitely a weird year. I think that um, you know it's every bit as packed as it's ever been, um, or more so. Um, walking the floor Thursday felt like a typical Saturday. It was so busy. Um, definitely feel this SAG and writer strike here. Um, you know, people talk about what it feel like the old time Comic-Cons, and it doesn't because here's the thing. There were always cool panels, more with writers than actors, you know, in the past. So the lack of a lot of those has been upsetting for me, at least. You know, I've only gone to a few panels because there just haven't been as many, you know, really fun, cool panels. Um, so that's definitely been, for me, I think, the, the, the biggest difference. And, you know, listen, that'll be back next year. But, you know, like, I mean, I went to the Walking Dead panel. You know, you don't have any creators there. You know, they're just showing some footage. Same thing with the Star Trek panel that was going, um, actually just ended, which I was going to go to. But, you know, yeah, I could have seen an episode a little early. I didn't feel like standing in line for that, uh, you know, to not actually see creators talk about everything. So, yeah, it, it's been a little bit odd. Um, but... You know, still the energy of being at Comic-Con's here, a lot of people here, some really great costumes. My God, all the Mandalorians. And people did really went all out on those outfits. Um, I sent, you sent me an apocalypse yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, the apocalypse, the guy was like seven and a half feet tall. He's in platforms. Absolutely amazing. Um, a lot of really, really great costumes this year. Now, Ian... A lot of people were saying, hell, Hollywood's not going to be there. Hollywood's on strike. It'll be about the comics. Any of the comic book panels kind of piqued your interest, or how are things on the comic book version of Comic-Con? 
Uh, listen, those pounds are always cool and interesting. I mean, listen, honestly, they all pique my interest. It's just a question of time and figuring out making it to them. Um, and in fairness, I used to go to a lot more of those before the proliferation of all the giant Hollywood stuff. And, you know, I mean, look, I'm here. My family's with me, so that's definitely affected some of my decisions. But, you know, the other thing that, of course, happens even people that aren't here is you get all the announcements, you know. So it's still, it could be cool to be there in the room. Um, but, yeah, there's always cool stuff getting announced here. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's fun. The energy is great. I, I will tell you this. I was bummed to not have Sideshow here this year. Sideshow Collectibles has always had this massive presence here with the, everything on display, giant figures, all the things, so cool. They usually be right in the center. They're not here this year. And it, for me, it was like, a wow, something's really missing. I used to spend so much time there just looking at everything. You think it'll bounce back next year? You said it'll bounce back next year or no? I mean, because you know Marvel has the D23. A lot of the Disney stuff has D23. Fox is now part of that. Is this maybe the one where, I mean, it was telling for me when I was walking around setting up and I passed the Marvel booth and there's no Hollywood, you know, MCU stuff. It's the Sony PlayStation sequel to Spider-Man and it is um, one of their major crossover books. That's what they were advertising. I think the Hollywood stuff will bounce back. Um, I expect to see most of it, all of it back here next year. Sideshow, I hear, didn't come because of money. I don't know if that bounces back. I mean, the installation's expensive, you know. But you stopped collecting figures, too. Uh, what, say that. Didn't you stop collecting figures and statues? You don't have room anymore. No, I've been, unfortunately, buying too much of that. I just haven't put them out yet. <laughs> okay, I thought that they weren't able to show up. They couldn't. Have, it was a money issue because he didn't stop buying those things because you have a couple display cases for that stuff. Shh. <laughs> well, any of the announcements that came out, you said there were some announcements, maybe a trailer or so that got released that maybe was the one that got you excited? I, I'll say as, as much as I've not been pumping, you know, uh, anything really about the Marvels? I thought the latest trailer was better. I did too, and I said this so in our thread. Uh, there's some a pretty awesome Nick Fury cosplay coming down the the aisle here at the Geekscape booth, folks. Uh, and I know that is one of Ian's favorite shows, is the current Secret Invasion. We'll be talking about that next week. Nick, you look incredible, Mr. Fury. Look at that. Matt, can you get a picture of this dude? This guy is amazing. You look phenomenal. You look great. I mean, you're smiling, so I don't know that you're actually Nick Fury, but... <laughs> Look at that. Okay, Matt just took a picture of Nick Fury. I think that might be the, uh, the main Im image. Yeah, the scar is impressive. All right, Ian, let's get you back on the floor. Let's get you experiencing stuff. And, uh, dude, have fun, man. Have fun. Thanks. That's what you're here for. So, enjoy. We'll keep selling shirts and telling people about the network. And if you, uh, this is your first time hearing Ian, hang tight for the uh, Secret Invasion Special we're going to have coming up in a week or two, wrapping up everything, and maybe we'll get that Nick Fury guy back here to be a part of it. Derek Cranavelt, everybody. Longtime Geekscape contributor, podcaster, and most importantly, friend. And Derek was actually on the preview show for San Diego Comic-Con with Matt and I. If you go back in the feed, it was a couple episodes ago. It was right before we started doing these uh, sort of grab bag uh, episodes where I put you right here in the booth with us. And we were talking, like I just did with Ian, about how different this year would be. I don't think anybody was as affected by that as Derek, because without places like Amazon and major studios doing a lot of the press stuff, and as our press point of contact, I actually caught 
Derek buying food this trip. And that means that it was hitting his wallet. That means that this trip was very different for Derek in particular. Uh, how are you feeling about this trip versus others? You know, my uh, I'm, my bag is going to be a lot lighter going home because I've had to spend so much more on food that there's been less left for all of the fun exclusives and stuff that uh, are around the show floor. So that's been a little bit disappointing, but, uh, uh, I, you know, you got to eat. Man's got to eat. Also, Funko bought Mondo in the last, you know, since we talked last. And you were a major Mondo fan. You were collecting a lot of the Mondo stuff. And the major dent from Mondo always came annually right here at Comic-Con where you were buying a lot of prints. Regardless of whether or not you had walls for, in which to hang them, on which to hang them, uh, in the years since, and very recently, like Funko has discontinued Mondo and kind of disbanded it. Um, has that affected your spending? That's affected it, yeah. That's affected it more than more than food. Uh, honestly, I, I ran out of wall space a long, long time ago, but that hasn't uh, stopped me from from you know screen print looks cool and shit's like gonna be sold out in two seconds. I don't have to think. I don't have time to think about it or see ask Michaela or anything like that. Like you just gotta hit that buy button and uh, uh, Mono still exists, but yeah, Funko bought them and. Uh, it, back in like April or May, basically like called the company. So the basically all of the people that were responsible for making Mondo Mondo are gone. And uh, uh, you know they had a bunch of bullshit press releases about like, oh, we're gonna make it so it's all more accessible to everyone, and and with, there won't be so much limited stuff. And then all the shit they're selling here is still like a hundred copies or two hundred copies or or anything like that. And. Uh, uh, all of the, you know, it's not Mondo itself. It's a lot of the, like, the artists that you learn, that, that you grow to follow and, and respect and, and, like, really love their work. And most of those people, when, you know, they're, they're all friends with those guys that lost their jobs at Mondo. And so most of them are like, well, I'm never working with them again. And so uh, I still still manage one of my favorite artists, uh, Daniel Danger. <laughs> Fittingly has a booth right next to the Mondo uh, booth, which is m so big this year. It feels like every time a studio pulled out, the Mondo or the, the Funko booth got a little bit larger. Um, he's got a booth right across from there, and was uh, uh, I was lucky enough on Wednesday he had an exclusive screen print, uh, which was called Decimated, which was uh, <laughs> a, a picture of basically the landfill where Mon uh, Funko had to dump thirty million dollars worth of uh, merch last year, and and in there there was like. The Freddy, like a Freddy Funko uh, statue, and the Mondo logo, and the names of all the friends uh, that lost their jobs and stuff. It was a nice like homage to the end of something that was really special. So, sorry, I adjusted my seat and uh, tapped you on the mouth with the microphone. Um, okay, that all sounds. I mean, we we kept up with it as it was happening, and mainly we kept up with it. We we have a group chat here at Geekscape that uh, Derek's a part of. It nobody again was hit as hard as Derek with that news. Um, is there positive to this week? Like we've talked about the things that didn't happen, the the installations that were canceled or you didn't get into because I know the jury duty uh, installation that you were invited to, like you had two tickets to it, you showed up, and it was had 2,000 people in there and it was packed. Uh, a lot of negatives for you, Derek, and I'm sorry because I want these trips to be fun. I want you to get something out of them. I want them to be fruitful, and I want you to eat. Uh is there a positive to this trip? Like, have you had fun? What are the highlights of the trip? We, obviously, the Sonic Cafe. We went to the Sonic the Hedgehog Cafe. Um, but other things like that? Yeah, the Sonic Sonic Cafe was a highlight for sure. I took a lot of L's. You know, they changed the mango salsa uh, at Rock and Baja, which is like 
like 27% of the reason to come down here every year. So that, that was a bit of a loss. Uh, I was really excited for that jury duty thing just as a huge fan of the show. Like it came out of nowhere and just like, I don't know, I, I can't, can't tell you how many people I talked to that show about. Um, obviously with all the, the studios and the actors and everything not being here, it's been a completely different feel and a lot of the big exciting panels that uh, people come down for just have not happened but it, it also gave the opportunity to jump into a couple panels that you might not otherwise. Uh, a couple days ago they had a uh, Skybound Games had a panel for an upcoming like RPG slash wrestling game called WrestleQuest uh, which is like a full on like old school looking pixelated uh, JRPG inspired uh, game but that like has you becoming an up and coming wrestler and they've got like 30 wrestling legends that are also a part of the game who might be bosses who might help train you you know your coaches like Sergeant Slaughter like that sort of stuff uh, that was like a really fun look at the game a game that drops like August 8th so it's really really close uh, and and you know they brought in Sergeant Slaughter and Jake the Snake uh, and Jeff Jarrett all of those guys were there and and half of the panel it was about the game itself which like I I had heard heard Shane talk about because they made a big splash at PAX East a few months ago I had heard Shane talk about it but never actually looked at it myself and like immediately like like added it to my wish list on Steam like it looks like so much fun and half of it was talking about that half of it was these uh, legends talking about some favorite moments and and weird stuff that's happened along their careers at one point Sergeant Slaughter's talking about uh, Andre the Giant sitting on him and, and farting for so long that that he you know Sergeant Slaughter almost passes out because he's holding his breath for so long sort of thing so so really fun moments like that uh, that I don't think I would have gotten to experience otherwise and then like Getting to hang out with you guys obviously is is the best part of uh, uh, the year every year, and and you know sometimes we're all a little busier and sometimes we're not, and and you know it's been like we've gotten some pool time this year. I think there's plans to hit up the pool tonight as well, and and uh, you know getting to have dinner at the end of the once the show floor closes with people like Matt and Katie and Shane, and hopefully you at some point. Uh, all of it's been you know that that stuff is the main reason to come for sure. The, the prime video goodies are just a bonus. Well, I hope that the prime video goodies are back for your sake. Uh, and I do love you, man. And I'm and I'm okay with the fact that they moved the they at least brought the mango salsa back to the bar. They put a little more pineapple in it. But hey, that longtime highlight of these Comic Con trips was there, and I hope you continue to be a main highlight of these Comic Con trips, like Matt has, like I have. Um, this is just something that I like bringing to the Geekscapist every year and letting you guys do and having you all be a part of it. Um, and, dude, let's move on to next year. Like, this year is funky. Um, but Domingo Salsa power us through a year. Just the knowledge that it's here waiting for us in 365. We should, uh, you know, the strikes seem to be the big theme this year. We could strike and try to get them to bring back the old recipe. <laughs> it might be, uh, yeah. If it's not completely, like... Stuck in a safe, protected, under lock and key. Because that was a valuable, valuable recipe. Geeks gave us, we're going to have more for you from Comic-Con 2023. Hang tight. Geekscape, we are without our captain. Uh, this is the co-pilot, Matt Kelly, shutting down this week's episode. Because John has not come back from his panel. And I don't think he's going to make it back. But the other people who have been holding down the fort... In a Comic-Con sense, Shane O'Hare, Derek Renabelt, we're here. So real quick, 
closing thoughts? Derek, you're going, you're essentially going home after we stop recording this. There's going to be some food and swimming, but but you're heading heading to attempt to see Taylor Swift. So, uh, what are your closing thoughts for the Geekscapists who won't hear you tomorrow? I don't know. <laughs> it's been it's been a it's been a, a wild Comic Con. <laughs> it's been a different. It's felt very different. And uh, oh my gosh, I hit a wall about three days ago and uh, am struggling to come up with anything at all. But I've loved seeing you guys, and uh, you know those that can should uh, come hang out in Canada sometime. If you were to rank the Comic Cons that you've been to, where roughly would you place this? I don't need a numeric number, but. Uh, I, I, I don't remember most of them. Um, <laughs> not not due to anything aside from having some memory issues. This one felt kind of crappy, though, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a crappy comic. It's like pizza, you know, even shitty pizza. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, even bad pizza is still, pre- it's still pizza. It's still pretty good, you know? Good point. Good point. Shane, how about you? It's been a, it's been a couple Comic Cons since we've seen you here. This was your return one. I'm sorry about that. It wasn't <laughs> there's there was very little happening, but uh, we'll probably I think John will probably have a deeper dive with you on tomorrow's episode. But uh, in the meantime, how how's it been so far in the in the very broad sense? Uh, this has been a uh, uh, not good. <laughs> um, it's been a weird one. It's been weird. There's been a all I can say. It's been a series of mismanagements from all the stuff that we've been offered to do, which I don't think is any fault of the individuals running the uh, press events or the offsite events or the activations, as they're called. But it's just been really weird, and everything feels really low effort. And I don't know if that has to do with anything of the um, strikes that are going on or the recession that we're going – the very good recession that we're in right now. But it's – um the stuff outside of the convention center has been less than ideal. Um, I think that's fair. And you'll you'll get into that deeper, I'm sure, tomorrow with John. But, yeah, that's been the vibe I've seen from the people doing the outdoor activations is just that it's it's a, it's a rough one out there. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of space and not a lot of things to fill it with <laughs> this year. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, we'll do um, – we'll, we'll do uh, – yeah, we'll, we'll get into a deeper dive. Um, and hopefully, by then, Apple will have fixed our feed. <laughs> we'll see about that. We'll so, that. so listen, if you're listening to Geekscape on Dynamic, or on, sorry, if you're listening to Geekscape on Apple Podcasts and you thought, man, five episodes in, Dynamic Re- Resolution's already thrown in the towel, that's apparently not the case, <laughs> as I learned in the hotel room today. Which really made me question my title of head of content because I was not on top of that one. But uh, <laughs> we will—we're uh, working on trying to fix that as well uh, for you, Die Hard, formerly known as Geekscape Games, currently known as Dynamic Resolution fans. Um, but you know what? We're tying this thing up. We're right—we're tying a bow on it. John says he's racing to the booth. I think he's going to be too late. I think that we're going to be done, and he'll just have to deal with this outro. We because should, we should ask somebody what their favorite thing of today's approach. No, we're not. No, 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 no. <laughs> not into untested material. <laughs> but we will. Uh, we're, we got to go get that rock and Baja, baby. Yeah. Derek's going home. It's a sad day. We're going to just be stuck with Shane. 
great. It's going to be great. We're losing Katie, Marie, Mark, Nico, <laughs> Derek. <laughs> They're all dropping like flies tomorrow. I, I extended my, my trip. Oh, you're here until Friday now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be here for qu- quite a while. So Just crashing on John and Heidi's couch? N- no. <laughs> all right, well then. That was day three, San Diego Comic-Con. John, I'm sorry, but it happens. Your panel was over at 6.30. It's 6.57, which meant you were rubbing shoulders with some people. But I'm sure we'll get to hear that panel on a a separate episode. Anyway, I'm rambling. Geekscape, out. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 